wow, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even have to introduce my name. <laughs> oh man, wow, that was such a great welcome, thank you. <laughs> oh wait, what did you say, Louis? <laughs> oh yes, that's my brother. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, my name is Jasmine and I have been a part of the Richmond Chi Alpha staff team go going on six years and this is the best job ever because I get to be with you all. So I'm serious. I, 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 it, is, it is the best, best job ever that I get to be with you all. So since we just started the semester, I sort of want to, I sort of want to see, you know, who was in the room for like, you know, freshmen, sophomore, and juniors and all those things. So I wanted to ask you, um, okay, where are my seniors at? Okay, hands raised. Yeah, you probably got like a semester or two left. Okay, okay. Okay, where are our juniors at? Come on. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, 75% there, but you almost there. Okay, how about sophomores? Okay, sophomores. Do we have any freshmen? Woo! Oh, come on. We, we love to see it. I know that you're probably, you know, just getting warmed up to the campus, figuring out your schedule. What were your, you got it? Come on, come on. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, well, it was great to hear, you know, where you all are. Yeah, where you all are at with your schooling. Um, but no matter how much time you've been in college, I wanted to ask who in the room has kept with the same major throughout their time in college. Okay, okay. Has anybody switched? Has anybody switched their major? Oh yeah. Do we have any undeclared? Okay, yeah, come on. Every, you know, trying to figure it out, but hey, there, there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. I. Well, I wanted to share a little bit about my story. In high school, I had plan, had a plan that I was going to go to nursing school. Um, being in anatomy class that I took in high school, I just grew a fan of just, I was like, wow, the, the human body is so complex. And, like, I just really enjoy learning about this. Um, I also went through a certified nursing assistant program in high school, which I was really grateful for, that helped me take care of patients, you know, help bathe them and all those things. Those things didn't gross me out, but bugs still gross me out to this day. Um, but also, I was so serious that um, I got my graduation ring from high school, and then it, I had engraved that little healthcare symbol, like, on the side, because I was like, yes, I'm going to be a nurse. Um, and then when I got my acceptance letter to VCU, I was like, yo, mom, I got it to the nursing school. And then I read on the sheet that it says, you're on the pre-nursing track. <laughs> so it was like you got accepted to take your prerequisites, but you're not quite there yet. <laughs> um, so I remember my first semester in college. So this was back in the day, 2011, <laughs> um, when I was when it was my, my first semester in college, and I was already first semester trying to get adjusted and already having to apply to the School of Nursing. So I remember getting my, my resume together. I was like, man, I got that CNA certification, you know, all that clinical experience. 
that's definitely going to be in my application. Um, I met one of my close friends my first semester. I call her Beanie. Um, and so Beanie, me and her, we were both in the pre-nursing track. So I was like, girl, me and you, we're going to be buddies, and we're going to go through nursing school together. But throughout the springtime, um, that is when the nursing school would send out their acceptance and rejection letters in the mail. I don't know if they still do that in the mail, but like at that time, I had to wait and wait and wait for the mail, especially because my mail was an hour away. <laughs> it was an hour away from me, so um, the person who would receive my mail was my mother. <laughs> um, but my mother, I don't know um, if your parents have done that before, but um, that moment when your parents open up your mail, so <laughs> I received a phone call from my mother um, that she received the letter from the nursing school telling me that I did not get in. That is not a phone call that you want to receive, but I received it. And I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, that changed everything that I wasn't planning for. What am I supposed to do now? I just spent the past four years learning, gaining skills and experience to come to this point that I end up like this. Um, well, there was no time. I felt like there was no time to make a plan B. There was only a plan A. Um, my mother immigrated to the United States at 16, and when she decided to form a family here, her desire was, you know, hey, I want all of my sons and daughters to be able to thrive and to be able to learn and to get a profession. Um, so I wasn't sure at this moment, her receiving this rejection letter, what was she processing? But I also was thinking about the friends, all the people that are like, are you applying to the school of nursing? All of these people. I was like, now I'm going to have to explain to all of you <laughs> that I didn't get in. I didn't want to do that. Um, so that was very hard. Um, my focus was caught up in nursing for years. This is four years of my life. This time of my life led me to question who I was. I was like, who am I now? Now that I can't do what I wanted to do for my whole life. Um, I'm not trying to be a drama queen about this, but this really does happen. I was so focused on my career that when it was taken away from me, I was left without direction, and I questioned who I was. Perhaps for you, it wasn't a shift in your major that has caused you uh, to ask who you are. Um, for you, it might be you look around and you see other people, you're like, man, they're so much further along in their life. Or like, man, I'm so behind. Um, for you, it might be not being able to, you feel that you're not able to meet the expectations that are set on you, if that is relational, if that is familial, if that is friendships or your academic load or even what your internship director requires of you. Um, it might be you took a comprehensive test or you took a test that you didn't get the score that you needed um, and you ask yourself, man, am I, am I even worth being in this major? Um, yeah, you question if, if that is for you. These are real, and each one of us can probably relate to a moment in our life that shook us. In these moments, 
we have to take a look at what is in our hearts. We're in a series called Highlight Real, and this semester, well, it's going to get real. Um, Throughout this semester, we're going to take a look at the unfiltered life of David. Um, And through these snapshots of his life that we're going to see, we're going to see how we can get real with God. And through that, how that impacts our life and how that impacts those around us. So tonight, we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 16. We'll be in two sections of it, um, verse 1, and then we're going to go to verse 6 through 13. Um, But I will lead you in that. Uh, But this passage will be on the screen for you tonight. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to gift one to you. We have some at our hospitality table in the back. Um, but the verses will be also on our screen. Um, so during this time in the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, um, during this time in history, it was a very crucial time for Israel. There was a need for a selection of a new king, someone who would rule and lead the people of Israel. The king at the time was Saul, and he was not doing a good job, so someone else needed to take his place. So who could be the king? Well, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you right now. I know some of you all be like, ah, don't tell me, but I I need to tell you. I need to tell you. You might already know, but I need to tell you because this is going to provide context to our passage. So tonight, we're going to see that David gets selected to be king. And so this chapter that we're going to walk through helps set the stage of how David became king. What did that look like? What was that process like? So let's take a verse, uh, take a look at verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So Samuel was a prophet. That means someone that hears from God and shares what he's heard to people. So that's, that's who Samuel was. Jesse was a farmer. He was also a sheep breeder in the area of Bethlehem. And this horn of oil that Samuel had, he had it because he was going to use that to bestow authority on the new king. Let's continue to verses 6 through 13. When they, meaning Jesse and the sons, arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep, Samuel said. Send for him, 
We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health, had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from the day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Well, Samuel's like, mm, he's not the one in the selection process of the, the sons. Mm, neither him. Nope. He's not the one. Wouldn't you have thought in that moment that Jesse would have brought all his sons? Well, David was the youngest of his siblings. Young also meant small. It also meant unimportant or insignificant. So this probably meant that David was probably small in size in relation to his other brothers. But also, he was probably somebody that no one really paid attention to. But the Lord chose David to be the one who would lead the people of Israel. His father didn't see that coming. His siblings didn't see it coming. Not even the prophet Samuel saw this coming. But God saw his heart. And I have to ask myself, so what was taking place in everybody else's heart that Samuel would say, nope, he's not the one? Where was their heart focused on? Meaning, you know, what is their heart centered on? I want to know because in the passage it says people, referring to mankind or the human race, they tend to focus on the outward appearance. Another Bible translation describes this outward appearance as, you know, people see what's on the surface. So what are some of these areas of outward appearance? that are prevalent in our world. I want to share with you four of them. The first one is appearance. What takes place when our appearance is what our heart is focused on? Well, sometimes we might, you know, look on our phone, check our camera, you know, make sure, you know, you know, looking at your camera, hey, I gotta, I gotta check my teeth because I don't, I wanna make sure I don't have cilantro in my teeth. So I, I have to check for that, but, but for real, some of the statements that we do, you, you might have found either ourselves say or we've heard say is, if I can only fill in the blank, if I only had, if I can only be like, and we start to compare ourselves, and this leads to us to try to become something that we're not. Um, our focus and our appearance sometimes can become what we look like, what we wear. A lot of times this can happen because we want to seek approval. Now, I'm not telling you don't groom yourself, don't take care of yourself. Please do that. But we need to be aware of our heart and our intentions. What are our intentions? Sometimes this appearance can play a role in Maybe there are certain settings or different pockets of your circles of friends that you're like, I can't be myself. <laughs> I can't be the same person in every pocket. I think those are the times that we also have to think about, you know, are we doing this because we want to be accepted? What do you see when you see yourself? Our physical appearance will fade. The wrinkles will come, let me tell you. 
I'm turning 30, and I got some that I'm like, ooh, you won't be here for a while. <laughs> but, um, yeah, sometimes I think we look at our physical appearance, and I know there's sometimes that for some people, we have, you know, we have health challenges that our body is the way that it is. And so I can, um, you know, I, I experience that. Um, but if you focus yourself on these things, it, it won't disappoint you. Um, also, if, you know, we're seeking approval in, in what we wear, um, well, I just want to encourage you to live within your means. Um, don't go broke. Don't go into debt trying to fit in um, because over time we will be left unsatisfied. The next area is career. What takes place when career is what our heart is focused on? Well, a lot of times we've been told, you are what you do. And man, these words, they hear so good in my ears because sometimes I'm like, yeah, I work hard because I am. I am a hard worker. And so, but I shared with you that I worked so hard to get into the nursing school. And I didn't get in. And it left me disappointed. If there was a shift in your career, in your major, or your time on campus had to be extended, how would that sit with you? Well, that's a hard thing. Because we can lose our career, our job in the future. This can't be what sustains us. And our ability to be loved and cared for is not based upon what we can do. You don't have to earn that. You are loved by God. The next one is status. We've been told you are what you have. Maybe not in those exact words, um, but your resume can tell you that. <laughs> Making yourself look good. I mean, going on thesaurus.com to make sure you know what happened make this word sound a little bit better. I was helping my brother on his resume the other day. <laughs> um, but <laughs> um, another area is, is, you know, our pride and status, maybe economically or socially or relationally, or thinking about our, our, our background, where we come from. What if you come from a background that probably is not at the level where everybody else is? I know that this was one of the challenges of me growing up. My mother actually called her today. I was like, oh, can I share this? She was like, yeah. Um, but I shared with her, uh, no, I, well, I was processing that growing up, I didn't really share a lot about my mother's occupation. My mother was a housekeeper. I didn't go to the playground to play with kids. I went to go clean houses with my mother. Um, my mother did not go to high school. She did not go to middle school. The highest, the highest grade was third grade. Um, and so for me, one of those things that I was saying about, I was like, what are people going to think when they hear this? But what image are you trying to give those around you? If you are focused on status, you will always be chasing after something. Let me tell you, it's gonna, <laughs> there's going to be always something else that we're going to be chasing after. The easiest way that I could describe it is like it's a bag that has a hole at the bottom, and you just try to fill it and fill it, but there's still the hole, and then the hole could tear. So you'll never be satisfied. 
the last one is performance. You are what you can produce. How do you view your grades? What happens if you do poorly on a test? I was not a good test taker, so. So how, yeah. So how does, it, how does this impact how you see yourself? You, are you like, I'm a horrible person. I'm so dumb. I got to reconsider my whole career for one test. How do you view your relationships in your life? Do you feel the pressure? Do you feel like, you know, like, what if I can't meet their expectations? I feel this a lot. But your worth does not come from how well you perform. And your worth does not come from what you can give people. Now, I'm not saying don't care about the people in your life. But we got to be, you know, it's, un- it's unrealistic to be everything to everyone. We have limits. Performance will stress you out, will exhaust you, will burn you out, and will leave you empty. Um, so maybe there's one of these that you feel strongly about or that, you know, draws you. I know that for me, it was all of these. But what does your heart say about you? We have to see what's in our heart. This passage of First Samuel is not about the three steps for Saul to pick me or to level up or to stand out. This passage is about identifying and being aware of what is in our heart. We need to think about these things and where these things will lead us. Not just for right now. What is the trajectory for these things that will lead us? But the Lord told Samuel, God looks at the heart. So the heart, meaning our mind, our character, our inner self, our will, intention, our center. The Lord sees what's in our heart. We can't fake to God what's in our heart because he knows what's inside. And one of the things that we'll see as we continue this, this um, series throughout the semester on David's life is that David is not afraid to be honest with God. David is not afraid. He shares his frustrations. He shares his sorrows. And he was known as the man, as the man after God's own heart. He opened his heart to God with everything. Um, And you can find that in the book of Psalms. That inspires me to open myself up to God. I want to share with you one of the things that David writes. In Psalm 139, verses 23 to 24, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David, the shepherd boy, the youngest, the man after God's own heart. It wasn't his status as king. He wasn't perfect, but he brought his imperfections before God. Why? Because he knew who he was. He was secure 
and he knew who he was. His heart was focused on God. This is a life that David lived unfiltered. I want that life. We see in the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, means beginning. Um, the fall took place where Adam and Eve, they chose to, folk, to take their focus off God. And where did they put it on? Themselves. They centered it towards themselves. And this action had implications on humanity. It was filled with brokenness. The world was filled with brokenness. The world was filled with corruption. We don't see people the same way. We don't see each other the same way. We seek status. We're affected by the words that people say. We see all of this today. And we cannot rid ourselves of these areas on our own. We've tried. We can't. But we need God's intervention. After David's anointing took place, I'm just going to summarize the, the rest of this, the, the passage. Um, after David's anointing, Saul, the king, um, he was being tormented by an evil spirit. And the only way that this evil spirit could leave was for someone to play the lyre. The lyre was a string instrument. And so one of Saul's servants mentioned that David could play. And so Saul, you know, was like, hey, like, go get David for me. Um, so David, David was back tending the sheep. So David comes and he plays the lyre and the evil spirits left. And Saul was pleased with David. But at that moment, as I was looking at that story, I was like, David was back tending the sheep. The one that just got anointed as king is back tending the sheep. And I was like, wow, like he didn't change who he was. He had nothing to prove. He was secure because his life was centered in God. So what does this look like to have Jesus as our focal point? As we read the Bible, I love that we get to read the words of who we are. We don't have to go searching for someone to tell us who we are. We don't have to try to find it ourselves. But God tells us who we are. God, the one who created us, the creator of creation, tells us who we are. I shared with you that I didn't get into nursing school. And it was a time of my life that really changed my life. Um, because it really made me question who I was. Um, I took some time to process and I ended up changing to um, my major of exercise science. Um, and through this time... Freshman Jasmine, I knew a lot about Jesus. Like, I knew a lot of stories about Jesus, but I didn't really have a relationship with Jesus. So it was later in college when I had one of my friends invite me to get involved with Chi Alpha. And it was here in this community that helped me understand who God was, and that really changed my life. I learned that God was not just someone who came to save and restore humanity from a broken world, but that he also wanted to be the Lord of my life. Meaning that as you look at your life, um, it was seeing through his lens. So imagine if you like put on a pair of sunglasses, but those sunglasses were like Jesus. It, it was, it's Jesus. 
I was going to say Jesus glasses, but, you know, putting on sunglasses. And the way that you filter your life is through that lens. So seeing, you know, it's like, what does God have to say about my career and my appearance? Like, you know, putting on your Jesus lens (laughs) and filtering your life through that. That really changed my life. Um, Filtering my life through Jesus was not just a one-time thing. Why? There are so many things trying to grab my attention. So many things. Um, But it's something that I have to do daily. I have to continue to bring my dreams, my desires, my sorrows, my joys, my fears to God. Because he cares. And his plan is so much better than mine. What, What is in our heart has consequences. I'm going to say it again. What is in our heart has consequences. It has consequences in our relationship with God and with others. As I lean into life with Jesus and focus my heart on him, the more that I do this, the more I trust God. The more that I do it, the more I fall in love with God. Um, Through God, I've been able to experience peace in midst of uncertainty. Um, my fears and my questions that I have, I can bring those to God and I can receive comfort. I know who I am. I know who I belong to. And then I can rest secure in who I am. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a God who sees us and who wants to be present with us. He wants to be present with humanity, with each one of us, if we open up our heart to that. So tonight, there's good news. No matter if you have been a Christian for a while or just started or you're not a Christian, it is important to take a look at what is in our heart. And Jesus wants to help us. He wants to help us with these areas that are grabbing our attention. God's not like, you got to get your act together, Missy. Or he's not looking down at the staff and there's thunder in the background with clouds. No. The Lord, sorry, the Lord is near. The Lord is compassionate. The Lord is slow to anger. That's the God that I know. I'm so thankful. What does your heart say about you? We just started out the semester and these, few, these first few weeks are going to set the tone for what the semester is going to look like. What if we started out our semester focusing our heart on God? You were designed to be in relationship with God. This is what can last. This is what lasts. What do you want your semester to look like? What do you want your time in college to look like? God wants to meet with us. Our campus is filled with many hearts that are filling their lives with the wrong things. And God wants to use us. He wants to use us to share the good news of Jesus. We can fill our hearts with the Lord. So as the worship team comes up today, um, they're going to be playing a little music in the background. And I'd like for us to just spend a moment, just a little bit of time, a few minutes, of 
just reflecting, just like what we read in Psalm 139, where David says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So how, we can, how we'll do this tonight is I have a question for us that will be on the screen that we can process. And it's a very simple question. It's, God, what do you see when you see my heart? And so I want us to invite God to, hey, to reveal maybe there's an area, you know, that I shared tonight that you're like, oh, that was the one that stood out. Or maybe there's an area that I did not talk about. There's just so many but that the Lord wants to reveal to you. Um, yeah, so we're going to have a moment of reflection. You can write it down in your journal or on a sheet of paper. Um, and yeah, and, and let's ask the Lord to help you. As the, after our time of reflection, the worship team will be singing our song. We'll, we'll sing the song again called Have My Heart that we sung a little bit earlier today in our service. Um, and during this time, we're going to have a few staff members uh, to pray. I'll be up here too. And I love that we get to pray. Prayer is powerful. And sometimes we need to hear God's truth spoken over us. And so even tonight as you're processing, you're like, I don't even want to process what's in my heart because I don't know what's going to come out if I process it. We want to... We want to stand with you in that. I know sometimes it could be scary. I, I've processed a lot of those things. I'm like, oh. So we want to stand with you. We want to stand with you. We want to pray with you. Because when you fill your heart with, with Jesus, it changes everything. And so let's do that tonight. We'll just start with a moment of reflection of God. What do you see? when you see my 